Welcome back. It's episode seven of the Top Button Podcast. Happy New Year. I'm your host, Charlie Five, and it's time to turn the page on 2023. We may talk a little bit about the bowl game uh, that we just had, uh, how we got to where we are, and and but the big thing is I want to do is look ahead. Look ahead at what's on the horizon, and I think there's could possibly be some big things coming for Auburn University, uh, the Auburn University football program down the road. But before we do that, we want to give a shout out to Active Wealth Management and our boy Ford Stokes. Look, stop trying to do it yourself. You can't. You can't. You got too much on your plate. You got to make a living. You got to figure out, then you got to figure out a ways to, to put uh, money away so that you can be ready uh, for that retirement uh, down the road. It's too much for you. It's too much for you. Go to activewealth.com, reach out to Ford Stokes, and let him put a custom plan together for you. We're not talking about some Google cookie cutter uh, savings plan, you know, some the, the old envelope system. Uh, we're not talking about that. We're talking about a, a custom plan that is uh, made personally for you based off of your goals, your desires, uh, everything that you've got going on, it's going to be made just for you. Great guy, Auburn guy, loves Auburn, loves talking to Auburn people. So give him a shout and let, give him, let him work for you. Let him do it for you. Uh, let him take that stress away. Uh, Ford Stokes, activewealthmanagement.com, activewealth.com. Uh, tell him I sent you. Tell him War Eagle. All right. I'm the boog king, okay? I like to have my level of boog uh, beyond 10 at all times. That was really tough uh, this past weekend. Uh, it was really tough during that game. We were excited. Um, we are going to get to see a lot of young guys. We kind of felt like we had the upper hand. Maryland had a lot of dudes in the portal. We didn't have that many that we really – cared about that may be a uh, an extreme word but we didn't really have the the i guess the level of playmakers that they did uh in the portal that we had to necessarily worry about we kind of felt like we had the upper hand and then we just go and lay an egg ooh a stinky egg it was awful it was awful it was over quick so that's a good thing it was over quick so there wasn't a lot of stress there was just rage and anger from the beginning uh and then it was kind of comedic there uh after that, I mean, they jumped on us quick. I thought defense, we we have had good showings all year, um, but they really, really got whipped early. Uh, it didn't matter if it was running, passing, tackling. Tackling was terrible early. Um, and oddly enough, that's one of the things Hugh Free said he was worried about. He was worried about – he was the big thing he was going to be worried about was tackling. Uh, and it showed its head like on the second play of the game when uh, they ran a little screen play, broke a open field tackle. It was terrible. Uh, went – almost scored. And they punched it in and they didn't stop. And it was 21 to nothing before you could – or 21-3 or whatever before you could really blink your eyes good. It was – it was it was out of hand. So, um the defense did, however, kind of get their stuff together. Um, they kind of got their stuff together in the second quarter and really didn't allow them. I think they scored three points uh, from the second quarter throughout the rest of the game. The they the pick six obviously was not on them. I think they gave the 21 up in the first quarter, maybe three in the second, and that was it. Uh, they pretty much shut them down. Um, 
guys, some guys played tough, got some young guys that got some good playing time. Uh, really like what I saw out of Sylvester Smith. Um, he made a big – he had a big pass breakup where he did not give up on a deep ball. He chased it down, broke the pass up. It was great, great play. Colton Hood had several good plays, looked good in coverage. He's really long, big-looking kid already, um, true freshman. A lot of young guys got some PT that we're going to have to have moving forward. We're going to have to have moving forward. Offense was just putrid. Absolutely putrid. Uh, the game plan from the get-go um, was clearly not good enough. Clearly not good enough. Thorn looked – look, you know, I've sort of been a Thorn proponent. He looked lost. It just is what it is. Missed a, a textbook underneath coverage that he just did not see, and he's done that multiple times this year. Pick six, sort of put the game away. May, may have been a little bit different had that not happened. Um, you had receivers that continue to just not be able to make plays. You had a deep ball uh, early one-on-one -on -one that Camden Brown just – I don't I don't, I don't, I don't want to accuse him of lack of effort, but uh, lack of effort might be better than if that was the best effort, uh, if, if, if you know what I mean, uh, on it, uh, and just not able to make a play. A couple of drops, but of, uh, all in all, just – Boy, couldn't get a good push. Just the pl game plan overall just did not seem to uh, yield any success. Uh, the only success that we had really was, uh, and it was it was hilarious to be honest. Uh, that that the biggest spark was from Hank Brown. Uh, we joked that we could see uh, Zach and I joked that there was a, a possible scenario that you could see Hank Brown start that game. You know, if Auburn goes out and gets a portal quarterback early, uh, maybe Thorne goes in the portal, maybe Holden goes in the portal, and all you got left is the baby goat himself, Hank Brown. Uh, and honestly, we might have been better had, had that have actually happened if if winning the, uh, the Music City Bowl was the ultimate goal. Um, but, no, he came in. Honestly, wasn't even sure it was him. I thought it was holding for another series, but Hank came in and completed two passes. He completed his first six passes. I didn't think he was going to throw an incompletion. Uh, looked good, looked decisive, uh, ripped some balls downfield. Um, guys started making catches. It was it was it was cool to see. Uh, I was really happy for really happy for him. And uh, I mean, for the only person that it seemed like they were excited to be there. Uh, excited to be in that game on the offensive side of the ball. So good for him. Uh, good for him for going out and, and making it happen. Um, I don't really know what that means for the quarterback room moving forward. I don't know that uh, he's the guy you're going to, you're going to lean on going into the, you know, 2024 season as your guy. I still think uh, there's going to be a competition, you know, throughout spring and, and summer and fall. And we'll see, kind of see what happens. We'll talk about what we think, that might look like moving forward, but all in all, again, it was uh, it was just a bad, bad deal. <laughs> I feel bad for the people that went. Uh, I feel bad for um, the people that watched it from beginning to end. Uh, I'm one of them, so I feel bad for myself a little bit. Uh, but it was it was not the way you wanted to end the year. Um, coming off of a really good performance, heartbreaking loss against Alabama. Um, couple that with the New Mexico State loss and you just leave you feel like you just leave 2023 with a, just a bad bad taste in your mouth and I get it 
I get it. From the from a football standpoint, from an on-field standpoint, I totally get it. One thing, though, about the overall day that kind of – I don't know if it caught me off guard or I don't really understand or I don't really get why there was so much passion and so much, like, upheaval about was uh, – had to do with the press conference uh, and Hugh Freeze. Um, and it stemmed around a specific – question that was asked not a like a monologue he went not not that he like went into a monologue and then this was just something he led off with oh it wasn't my fault the offense wasn't my fault uh I wasn't even involved um I was out recruiting it's it kind of it feels like people believe that's exact that's actually what happened um like he's making excuses um for for the game for for the way the game played out and I find that bizarre I find that bizarre considering that he led off the, his opening statement. He led off was this starts with me and I feel awful for our plan, for our fans. Uh, I didn't get it done. That's how the op- that was his opening statement. Not like five, six minutes into the press conference. That's what he led off with. It's my fault. I let you down. I'm sorry you had to witness that. That was awful. That's on me. That starts with me. Another thing he said before he was asked this question, another thing he said, uh, I don't think I did a very good job in a lot of areas this year with our staff and with our team. He took the blame for the staff, and he took the blame for the team like he's supposed to do. I don't get where we're coming off that Hugh makes all these excuses. He's, that he shouldn't answer questions. You know, we went, we just lived through uh, Brian Harson and Gus Malzahn, who won't, an, would never answer a, a question straight in the face, period. And now we got a guy who honestly may be honest to a fault, uh, may be honest to a fault. Um, but he starts off taking the blame as he should. Nick Saban, when they lost Alabama, that's one of the things. I wish I could have coached these guys better. I wish I could have had them more prepared. What's the difference in what was said here? What is the difference between what, what is said here than, than those two statements? Those those three statements, the two from Hugh and that and the one from Saban, look at them. What's the difference in those? You get later on into the press conference, and he's asked a specific question. He has asked a specific question from our buddy Mike G from the War Report. It was something along the lines of, Hugh, what did you think about the game plan? And how much were you involved? That was a question that was asked. And his response was, I didn't like the game plan. And he gave several reasons why. And he said, I was not that involved up until this past week. I was I was recruiting. I was doing what I said I was going to do from the time I was hired. I, I don't really understand uh, what you want him to say there. I don't another unless you just want him to keep repeating. Um, it was my fault. It's my bad. I'm gonna get it fixed. I, I guess that's what you're supposed. to – I guess that's what you expect. Every single time he had, he 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 is asked a question, that's what's supposed to be. Uh, that's supposed to be the the canned answer every single time. I just I I don't know. I, I've seen several you know beat writers, uh, obviously Twitter. Everybody really hung up. Uh, reporters hung up over that, and it's like, did y'all? Y'all were in the room with him. Y'all were in the room with him. You heard him when he started off taking the full blame. Uh, and and then we're going to f- 
flip it to he's making excuses. Like I, I, I don't get it. I, I don't get it. But that sort of probably has a lot to do. Comes from a frustration point, a frustrated point of view. You're frustrated. Uh, you, you've you've watched Auburn um, look. Off, especially on offense, uh, which is supposed to be, you know, like Hugh Freeze's offensive guy. So I think it kind of all boils down to that. It's a frustration thing. It's a frustration thing. And it sort of is all just sort of all come to head uh, at once. But um, that to me was a weird thing to be, I don't know, to be hung up on because it's not like it was a revelation. It's not like it's something that was new that we didn't didn't know that he wasn't uh, running the offense that he was out uh, recruiting or on the phones texting whatever. It's like we didn't know that was that was happening and and uh, I don't know that was that was weird to me. Um, I, I, out of everything that kind of stuck out because I just don't get it. But it is what it is. It is what it is. And um, I think I want to try to help understand like I think some people just can't quite grasp why um why that answer is actually was actually the answer so hopefully I can kind of give you an idea of how we've got to this point okay why things played out the way we did uh and I'm gonna you know kind of dive into it and just roll and uh you know take it or leave it um I'm not saying this is lockdown information this is basically what we've seen what we've heard uh from the moment he was hired and just talk about you know look at the reasons the 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 reasons things played out the way they did not the excuses there's a big difference between those two words reason and excuse an excuse is it's not my fault and there was nothing i could do to fix it a reason is this is why it happened. It's my fault, and I'm going to get it fixed. And that's what I've seen out of uh, the statements that that Hughes made, uh, and I think some of the moves you possibly could see moving forward. But let's talk about how we got to where we are. Okay, it's no secret that when Hugh was hired, this was the most depleted Auburn roster that I can remember since probably the late 90s the 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 very end of the Terry Bowden flip over to Tommy Tuberville and it took Tommy you know he got he got lucky with a Rudy Johnson Juco uh, the Juco sensation uh it took him a little bit to get to that 2004 and then the 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 success that he had uh those those runs he had um after after that, but uh, I, I've never—I don't know that I've seen a worse roster from top to bottom than the roster that Hugh took over. Uh, and when he was hired, he said that I the the 2024 and 2025 recruiting classes are what will determine the future of me at Auburn. He 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 didn't shy away. Again, he's as truthful to a fault as he can possibly be. The 2024 and 2025 classes will determine my future. So what does he do? He bets he he bets on himself as 
the the big recruiter. Okay, he bets on himself as the guy that can go out and make it happen. Okay, and the only way that he felt like he could make that happen was to try to hire someone that was essentially going to be a, a head coach of the offense. He was going to step out, be there for a little bit of the game plan, but 100% give everything he's got to get this class that we ended up with the way it ended up. We can argue if that's the right if that's the right scenario, if that was the right move or not, till we're blue in the face. That's not necessary. I'm not here to argue was he right or was he wrong, but that is the decision he made. He said, this is the first time in my career I'm not going to be the captain of the offense. He said that. So for him to then answer a question and tell you that he's not involved in the offense and that shocks you, I don't understand how I, that that disconnect. I, I don't really understand. I don't understand how you how you can come to that uh, emotion from that question when he told you when he was hired what he felt like he had to do for Auburn to be successful from the time he was from the time he was hired. Look, I don't think I, I, this is another thing I don't really understand. I feel like. M- Philip Montgomery gets zero blame for anything. I feel like people don't even know who he is, what he does. He is 100% who has been the captain of this offense, the architect, so to speak, of this offense uh, throughout this whole campaign, minus maybe a couple of games we'll talk about in just a minute. But I just don't understand why he gets – it seems like he no nobody even uh, cares or, or or knows who he is or, or what he does. He's your offensive coordinator. He's the guy that 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 Hugh designated as I'm going to hand you the keys for the first time in my career, and I'm going to let you run it while I go out and recruit my absolute tail off, which is what he did. Um, I hear a lot of people say, "Oh, why can't he multitask?" as if it's patting your head and rubbing your stomach. It's that easy. There is no way that you can say honestly that the way he executed uh, the recruiting strategy didn't 100% yield us the class that we did. You can't say that if he would have taken one game, one extra game, New Mexico State, you can't say that, uh, oh, that wouldn't have cost us anybody. You can't say for sure that if he would have um, taken over the bowl game that uh, that wouldn't have costed us. You know, you can't say that if after the Cal game he just took over play calling and went and he did he could do both, it wouldn't have cost us anybody. You can't say that because because it could have been that phone call during practice, you know, that FaceTime that we've seen pictures of him FaceTiming recruits. During practice, it could have been the taking the players to his, the balcony, you know, showing them love during practice. It could have been not watching film one time because I'm playing Xbox with with a recruit, or which he said he's had to do, or being on the phone, or texting, or touring. There's no way that you can say that. Oh, if you would have just called this game, or you'd have just called that game, or if you would have just multitasked, you got to be able to multitask. 
as if it's just that simple to just say, there's no way you can say that we don't end up the class that we end up without the effort that he put in. And he was the main driver in almost all of these recruitments. You read every article, Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze is taking over this recruitment. Hugh Freeze is, is, is driving this, driving the boat on this, uh, this, this recruitment um, over and over and over again. And I know you may, may be asking, oh, it was the dead period. It was the dead period. Uh, he could have, uh, he could have, uh, you know, everybody's already signed. He could have been done. How do you not know he's on the phone working the portal for, for the visits that are lined up uh, this week that are happening yesterday and today and Friday and over the weekend? You know, he's already said, also, I haven't done really well. I didn't have a good, I didn't, I didn't really like my strategy for the portal. Okay, so how do you know that he didn't spend the vast majority of that time reassessing the portal strategy and putting it together so we could go fill the holes as soon as the dead period is lifted, which was on January 3rd, and you can start having visits. And we had dudes immediately, guys that could start, that are here on campus day one. Again, we, we, simple, we try to like oversimplify what it means to be a full-time offensive coordinator and play caller, how like it's just easy, like it's just Xbox, and in recruiting, the the way that he's that that he's been recruiting, it's like the simplification of that is just mind-boggling. It's and it's infuriating. If I'm being honest, it's just infuriating. <laughs> it's infuriating for somebody just to listen to somebody speak as if they. They know how easy it is to just do both. It's easy. Now, criticism, okay? If we're going to blame Monty, you, if I'm going to blame Monty, there's got to be some blame to put on Hugh for the hire. And, and there, that's absolutely – and I think he would tell you that. He's, he's, he's done everything he can not to tell you uh, where the blame is. But – I think if you if if you really had to ask him, I just think it was a bad fit. I don't know the reasons why. I don't know if it's because even though you you turn it over, maybe you don't all the way turn it over or you halfway turn. I don't know. I don't know that. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know. I do know this. I do know that it didn't look like during the game Q was talking much on his headset whatsoever. So it looked like whoever was running the offense had control to run the offense. He looked disgusted and he looked uh he looked um I mean disgusted is the only word that you can really say the, almost the whole game. There was no play call sheet over the mouth. There was no I mean it was clear he was not in control of the offense. It took me a few series to pick it up. Had somebody um sort of pointed out to me and sure enough, he never it didn't seem like he had anything to do with the play calling duties, which there's a lot, there's tons of coaches like that. There's tons of CE coaches like that, CEO coaches like that. So um, there, that can't just continue to happen. That can't just continue to happen. And I, and I think you're probably going to see a little bit of a switch in, in style moving forward. Um, I don't want to necessarily speculate on coaching changes. We're going to talk about looking ahead here in just a second, but um but yeah, you can't just it, you you can you can make a bad hire, but you can't continue 
to make a bad hire. And I don't think that you can afford next year to uh, – I don't think you can – you obviously cannot afford next year to have a similar performance because you will lose a ton of momentum. You already saw it with Billy Napier at Florida. The week before signing day, they're in the number four class. They lose two or three games in a row – or they end losing several games in a row, and then you end up with barely a top 20 class. Like, it could happen that fast. And then you got portal, kids wanting to leave. You got all kind of stuff that can happen. Um, something's got to change, and there is absolutely nothing that Hugh Freeze has done to indicate that there's not going to be something that changes. Changes, okay? There's not. He hasn't given you the excuse that says it wasn't my fault, and there's nothing I can do about it. He said, "I'm disgusted. Y'all deserve better. Auburn deserves better, and I'm going to fix it." Okay. So, what does that look like? We can only speculate at this point in time, but uh, I, I think probably you're going to start seeing uh, – you'll probably start seeing the signs of it pretty soon, pretty soon. Um, so that kind of gets me to – we've talked about the bowl. We've talked about where we've been, how we got to where we got. I, You know, one thing I may have – one thing I glanced over is, yes – he was very vocal about a few times where he did take over the play calling uh, on a, on a few games. There there was, and I and I think probably at least that you know there was that three game stretch, that three game uh, SEC stretch. I think we played uh, Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, in Arkansas, and we looked pretty good all three of those games. I, I feel pretty confident with at least one or two of those games. Hugh was. He had the play sheet over his mouth. He was calling the plays. So if you do, it's like if you're doing it, then why can't you continue to do it? And and again, he said why. He said why. Alabama, Georgia, those game plans look really good. And I think he had a lot to do with the game plan in those weeks. But you say, okay, well then why can't you do it every week? Why can't you do it every week? But he and he told you why. Yes, it was great to get involved, but it really cost me time recruiting he said it he said those are you can look it up out of his own mouth it was fun to get involved we did really good job but it really cost me in recruiting so who know who's to say if one or two if you do that one two three more times Alabama doesn't flip Perry Thompson back who's coming at him hard you're but you had the time to just continue to stay on him Perry Thompson, by the way, he had like three or four catches in the Under Armour All-American game today. Looks great. Had a great week of practice. I mean, what if he's not here, you know, because of that? You know, what if you're not able to, uh, you know, pounce on the Jimbo situation and flip Cam Coleman? What if you're not able to continuously pound Jamonta Waller uh, until he's ready to flip? Uh, like the way this whole um, – uh, Amaris Williams – uh, what if you're not able to, you know, down the stretch, be able to pound him because you're prepping for the bowl game? Like those things, those things, I, you can't, you can't just oversimplify them because they're huge. They're huge. That time is huge. So um, yes, he he did. He was very vocal about the times he did take over play calling, but he did tell you when that happened that it took away from recruiting. 
Again, honest, possibly to a fault, but I think it's refreshing. I think it's refreshing. It's because he initiates the conversation with, it's my fault. He initiates the conversation with, I'm the one to blame. But this is this is what this is what happened. I'm the one to blame. I like that. I, I don't know about you guys. I know it may be a lot easier to um, stand some of those answers when you're nine and three versus six and seven. I get it. I get it. But I think we're on the right track. I, I still think this is the right guy, and you can't really belittle the impact that this freshman class, uh, top to bottom, could possibly have on the future. Uh, we just got to get the offensive thing figured out moving forward, uh, and we're going to talk about that looking ahead uh, here in just a sec. So, again, we've talked about the bowl game. We've talked about how we get here. Now let's talk about, all right, what happens next? What happens next? I'm not going to speculate on coaching changes, okay? Um, Auburn's portal window closes tonight at midnight. Today's Thursday. You get five days, I believe, after your bowl game uh, for players to declare. I don't think even if you were to make coaching changes, you would do that until after the portal window closes. Call that whatever you want to call it. I just call it smart, okay? I don't necessarily know that there's going to be a coaching change, but I do feel very confident from people that I've talked to that there will never be another game moving forward that Hugh Freeze is not going to be the captain of the offense, okay? So how do you achieve that, okay? How do you achieve that? How do you take your best recruiter that got that, – that, how do you take your best recruiter essentially uh, and, and decrease his workload by just an exponential amount and still have success off the field, Okay. I'll let you kind of draw conclusions on how that would have to happen. Okay, if I'm if I'm the head coach, but I'm going to be the offensive coordinator, I got to have, you know, I got to have some ace recruiters that can not just me help them, not just not just like uh, not just uh, they're good with my help, but guys that can take the ball, guys that I'm familiar with, guys that know how to sell this thing and can go out and can absolutely dominate. I, I'm just going to be honest. I think there's 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 a few weaknesses. Uh, I think there's a few weaknesses on, you know, maybe both sides of the ball. Uh, not many, because there's some ball there's some ballers, uh, but there's there's possibly some a few weaknesses that you may see some staff shake up. Um, if if Hugh's going to take over, I mean, do you necessarily need a head coach? Uh, as your offensive coordinator, or do you need a recruiter? Again, whatever happens, whether it's Monty figuring out that he's going to get get out and go on the road, or if it's you have to bring in somebody else, that offensive coordinator position is going to become a recruiter position, I think. I think that's the only way that you can make it work uh, moving forward. If, if Hugh's going to be the one that calls plays, and I, I almost would be willing to bet – uh, all of my active wealth management account that there will be very few, if any, games that Hugh Freeze is not calling, uh, not calling the offense moving forward. So uh, I will go ahead and chalk that up. That that's that's you know you want to talk about um, how to fix the problem. 
there you go. I, I, I think you should expect to see that uh, moving forward. This is going to be – you're going to see the play sheet in front of the mouth. You're going to see uh, a lot of animation on the sidelines. I think that is who he is. I think that's what he's always been good at. He said he's never had a year that he didn't call plays, and this was his first year. I, I, I think it was so awful that I, I just don't see it ever happening again. I don't think it can. I think that has to be how how it works uh, moving forward. So, again, I don't think – not necessarily saying there has to be some staff shakeup, but there has to be some dudes that take monumentally different roles moving forward. Uh, or there has to be uh, some new guys that that come in that are ready to you know hit the ground running uh, and recruit the way and is as aggressive as Hugh does because it's it's insane. Like <laughs> I don't know how I don't really don't know how he does it. I don't know how he's able to do uh, maintain uh, any type of life while he's doing what he's doing. Uh, but it's 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 been good. Uh, on the recruiting side aspect of it, and, and I don't see it changing. You've already got multiple commits in 2025, high-caliber commits. you got two studs already committed in 2026. I know that seems like ages away, uh, but you got a Rivals 100 receiver and then a big-time lineman already in 2026. Guys, two years away. You're pushing that ball out where you're prepared. You're prepared, which actually will allow him – to do a little bit of both, a little bit more recruiting, a little bit more, uh, you know, along with mostly running the offense moving forward. Um, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. This first year was ugly. I was expecting – I don't. I say ugly. I was expecting seven-ish wins. Uh, I just honestly thought – I expected Hugh to run the offense from the get-go. So, uh, whenever he said he wasn't calling plays, I didn't – necessarily have any concern until we started to see it play out and then obviously the Peyton Thorne uh does the does this Hugh working with him and calling plays change things do you have to go get a quarterback again that's part of what we're what we're talking about right now so offense I think that's what you're going to be looking at now what about the roster what about the roster moving forward you have three quarter. Uh, you have three quarterbacks, and you have Walker White coming in. You got Thorne, you got Holden, you got Hank, um, and then you have Walker White, who is having another a great week at the uh, U.S. Army All American Game uh, practices. Uh, I can't wait to watch him play. Hopefully, he shows out because uh, I think he's going to be a good one down the road. What do you do? That's what I, that the one thing that I talked about on the Locked On Auburn podcast is that the offense seemed broken because it seemed like there was a different weakness each week, okay? One week, it may – I feel like most of the blame you could put on the quarterback. One week, it was – I feel like most of the blame you could put on the offensive line. One week, I felt like the plays were there. You, you just couldn't get the, – the wide receivers couldn't make plays. Like, it, it seemed like it was a multitude of things. So, it's like – how many of those do you have to fix that will in turn fix the others? Does that make sense? So, like, is it just simply if if Hugh is calling plays, does that fix everything? You bring in a bunch of these stud receivers, 
Hughes just that much of a better play caller than than our, at sequ, at sequencing and game planning uh, as as Philip Montgomery is is he that much better? Uh, does that fix everything? Does that plus just new wide receivers fix everything? Does that plus a new offensive line fix everything? Does that plus just a new quarterback fix everything? I don't know the answer to that. Or do you have to have three of those four or five things? Um, I think that's what we'll kind of figure out as we go through these next two weeks, this journey of of the portal, uh, the next two weeks, and kind of see where we pick and and we pluck and we get guys uh, plugged in. Um, If it's me, I'm bringing in another quarterback. But I'm not letting anybody know about it (laughs) until after midnight tonight. Uh, so I think I'll probably do exactly what Hugh does is I, as I keep it, keep it close to my best. It's going to be a wide open competition. He said it right after the ball game, after the game, the, the quarterback race is a wide open race. I probably don't say anything until after tonight because, uh, I want to have a all out a Duke fest. I want to Duke it out. I want to see him fight it out uh in in spring i think that's the best case scenario for auburn and honestly i think it's best case scenario for for the guys for the quarterbacks to actually go in and 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 really see what you're made of really go in and and battle and see what you're made of uh and i think if if there's interest in a quarterback i think you're going to see it happen and and i do i I really i'm going to be absolutely shocked if there's not a quarterback added to this roster um, and it's not – I'm looking at a guy that, that could – I'm thinking it's going to be a guy that's going to challenge Peyton Thorne uh, for the starting role. I, I, and I don't necessarily know exactly who that is yet. We didn't know about Peyton Thorne really until it happened last year. The logical, uh, you know, way to go is to go with Caden Salter, who I think could – from Liberty because of the connection with Hugh Freeze. <clears throat> the logical thing would be to go that's, – that's the guy – but I don't know. We'll have to, we'll have to see. I, again, I don't think you're going to start see see any interest publicly, at least, um, from anyone on uh, quarterbacks until after this, uh, you know, till after our portal period closes. So yes, I do think we're going to have a quarterback that's added to this roster. I think you're going to have two offensive linemen, at least added to this roster. I think you're going to have two more defensive linemen added to this roster. Uh a lot of those guys are in town right now. Uh that that those could be those could be your guys. Um and then I think you're going to have to add a couple of DBs, a corner, a safety. Uh maybe you already got you a linebacker. I mean other than that, maybe you could possibly maybe there could be a um a wide receiver. Uh, another big time outside wide receiver from one of these schools that just played, you know, going to the portal because Alabama, even Alabama has five days after their game, um, which was, which was Monday. So they got until Saturday, <coughs> excuse me. They got until Saturday, you know, those guys to go into the portal and you saw a flood of dudes start already several offensive linemen, <coughs> several talented offensive linemen, several talented wide receivers, several talented defensive backs uh, going to the portal. Guys that were going to be looked at as, you know, 
possibly future starters. There's going to be players. There's dudes that can play. It doesn't matter if they're G5, if they're SEC, if they're, you know, P5, whatever. There's going to be a lot of dudes that can play. And I love some of the early names that have come in. I like the idea of adding a Rico Walker, the athletic tight end from Maryland, uh, because after 2024, we have no tight ends. Uh, you have Rico, and then you got – if you hang on and sign Ryan Gee uh, from the 2025 class, that's your tight ends, okay? So, I love that. I love that guy that could possibly be a big addition uh, moving forward, the replacement for Rivaldo, maybe do a little bit of everything. I love Isaiah Rikes. Uh, you're talking about a tr from Texas A&M. He's in here in town right now. A true nose. Uh, I want so badly for Jason Jones to be able to play Marcus Harris's position instead of having to be the guy that eats blocks. I want him to take his six six three fifteen whatever it is high motor and be able to have someone else eat blocks for him to go make plays uh, because I think he has the ability to do that. Uh, and uh, I really like Isaiah Wright's game. He graded extremely high, almost as high as, you know, the one everybody's fawning about, Walter Nolan, uh, the defensive lineman for Texas A&M. Um, so he graded out almost as high as him, even though it was different positions. Um, that's what kind of caliber guy he is when he's in the game, when he's in the game. So I love him. Uh, there's so many dude. There's there's uh, R.J. Uh, Delancey the uh, third, I believe is his name. Uh, he is a corner from Toledo. Okay, you may not have been able to hear me talk about him on on Locked On Auburn because on brand my internet started cutting out, but. Uh, R.J. Delancey from Toledo, number 32 overall in uh, graded on uh, PFF, Pro Football Focus, number 32 overall corner in the whole country, number 19 overall in just simply pass coverage. I think he could be your nickel corner and be a starter like day one when he walks on. He's got good size. Uh, uh, over six foot, um, 180-ish, uh, 180-ish pounds. Like I said, great in coverage. Um, I like this guy. He's here early. Um, would love to go ahead and, and land some – this guy from, you know, Miami, Florida. You know those dudes. That's all you ever hear about. My, those, those South Florida guys can fly, so you know he's got speed. Plays in a pass-happy conference, uh, and he's still graded really high on pass coverage. So I'm a big fan of RJ Delancey. Uh, I'm hoping the third, I'm hoping, you know, maybe we can go ahead and get him to pop. You're seeing offers pop up. Um, another, there's another guy from UAB. His name's, um, uh, let's see, BJ. Uh, what is his name? His name is BJ Mays, another guy that graded incredibly high, better than a lot of our DBs not named um, DJ James, who who um, obviously had a really, you know, from a football analytics perspective, had a huge had a huge year. So there's a ton of players out there. I think after like we've already started to kind of see 
the pathway. We've already kind of started to see the um, the way that we can fill the holes that we need to fill this roster based off of the way that some of the visits have lined up. And now you just got to go close. Now you just got to go close. You got to keep getting them in. You got to keep closing. Uh, you, we have four commits already in the portal, which was honestly more than we had at this time last year. Like really the big wave of commits uh, of the big time guys that we had to have didn't really start popping until about the 5th, the 6th of January. So it's not really abnormal to be where we are. And it's not really abnormal to think that there's still good players out there because there are. Uh, and I think we're going to be getting after it and getting after uh, and adding several guys. Um, I would, I, I would kind of be, you know, I think we're probably looking at somewhere in the 12 total portal range. I'd be shocked if many of those were after spring, unless we have some attrition after spring and you're just naturally trying to, you lose, you try to replace uh, type scenario. I think your your core of guys that you want to get bring in that you think are going to be um, helping you win in 2025, I mean 2024, are going to be done uh, in the next two weeks. We have until January 17th, which is the last day for kids to enroll. So um, it's going to be hot and heavy uh, between now, now and then. So um, this weekend, again, is probably going to be a big visit weekend. Today's a big visit day. Tomorrow's going to be a big visit, big visit day. So we'll see how the next several days play out, how things work out. And you, I think you're going to start to see that path to uh, the path to the finishing out the roster. It's going to make sense on how we're going to get there. We're not going to freak out when we lose, uh, when an A.J. Harris, you know, pops into the uh, – from Georgia, pops into the portal – and, and then we don't – it seems like we're going to get him and we then we end up not – we're not going to freak out when an Elijah Pritchett pops in and then pops right back out because, number one, just because they pop in the portal doesn't mean they were a real they were a real target to begin with. And, number two, there's still guys out there, quality guys, that more than likely we already have communication with. More than likely we've already been sort of working behind the scenes to set things up with them. So let's buckle up. Let's enjoy portal season. It's so much fun. It's so fast. It's not the long relationships. It's hot and heavy and it's quick. So who knows? By the time you're listening to this, we may have uh, a new portal edition. Um, so uh, I appreciate you guys listening. Uh, the holidays are over. I'm going to be back Tuesday and Thursday, every single, every single week from here on out. Uh, and we're going to have fun and go on this 2024 journey together. And I'm very excited about it. So, again, big shout out to uh, Ford Stokes with uh, Active Wealth Management. Make sure you give him a shout out. Uh, and I will catch you guys on uh, Tuesday. So stay buttoned. Have a great weekend. And uh, we'll talk again soon. War Eagle.